From the Financial Times in London, I'm Sarah Gordon, the FT's business editor, and this is FT News. What should we be eating to improve our chance of leading a long and healthy life? There's certainly no shortage of dietary advice, whether from governments, nutritionists and other experts, but it doesn't seem to be working. People in the West are getting fatter, and the obesity crisis has spawned a surge in lifestyle-related diseases such as diabetes, cancer and heart disease. But now there's a growing global health movement that turns much of the advice of the last 50 years on its head. Low-fat food, far from being healthy, is bad for you, while reducing calories does not result in sustainable weight loss. So what should we eat? In the studio with me to discuss this is Tim Spector, Professor of Genetic Epidemiology at King's College in London and author of The Diet Myth, and Shahrazad Dineshku, who writes about the food industry for the Financial Times. Let me start with you, Tim. Could you outline for us what you uncovered in your research about how what we eat affects our health? What I discovered is that most of the stuff written and in government websites is misleading and wrong. There are some things that are right, i.e. we should eat more fruits and vegetables, but the rest of it, it turns out, is not based on any evidence. And for the last 40 years, we've been told that calorie counting is good, that shifting from fats to starchy foods is good, that skipping breakfast is deadly, and we're focusing on all the things we should cut out, that we should use you know, processed foods as a way to reduce our fat content of our foods. And it turns out that's been making us less healthy, and all the recent studies are suggesting that that advice is patently wrong and needs to be completely changed. We need to move to a system where we have much more diversity of our foods, And we've become a society that, strangely, despite all the choice we have, we're actually eating less diverse foods, less nutritious. And this is affecting this new organ in our body, the gut microbes. And it's this new discovery in the last few years that I think is really turning the health advice about food on its head. So, I mean, one of the conclusions might be that maybe we should discard all diets. I recently had a very positive experience when I tried an eating regime developed by Greyshot Spa which essentially advises you to cut out sugar, increase the good fat in your diet, including saturated fat, eat lots of fermented food. In general, eat food that helps keep your gut bacteria healthy. And the result since last September has turned me into rather a fervent convert of this way of eating because not only do I feel a lot better and a lot healthier, but I've also lost over a stone. I found this particular way of eating helpful. But do you think we need to be told what to eat? I mean, why do you think nutritionists and government have got their advice so wrong in the past? Well, we stuck with this dogma from about 40 years ago, which came really from the fat debacle, really, that you know any fat was bad for you. And this became a sort of like a religious mantra. And governments have failed really to correct that mistake. And we've gone from cutting out fats to cutting out all kinds of other things. The public are cutting out gluten, cutting out grains. Vegans are cutting out meat. A lot of people are cutting out all kinds of dairy. We're cutting out anything that has fat in, even that's something good like olive oil because it has saturated fat in it. And we've become this reductionist type society that is picking things away. And this is causing many more problems than it's solving and misleading people to think if you just cut out this, you'll lose weight and be healthy. And it's actually the opposite. It's this mindset that, yes, okay, cut out processed foods with lots of nasty chemicals in it that we really shouldn't be having eat natural foods and as many diverse varieties and don't cut anything out. And that is showing to give you 
healthier gut microbes, which gives you a healthier immune system. So we need to be encouraging this much greater diversity of foods and encouraging people to go outside their normal cultural types and start with fermented foods like many other countries do and have a much more open attitude to food and not be driven by the food industry telling us that this is low fat, this is low sugar, this is a special diet version you should have, all of which end up being highly processed and ultimately much worse for us than the natural products. And analysing how healthy your gut bacteria, your microbiome is, you believe, will be quite fundamental to deciding what and how we eat in the future. I think so, because it's this new organ in our body. It's 100 trillion microbes that we've just ignored. newly recognised organ, maybe, rather than an actual new organ. (laughs) For us, you know, it's like in the 16th century discovering a new organ because we didn't realise that they're all there. They produce lots of our vitamins, they control our immune system, they digest our food, and we haven't had a way of even looking at them until the genetic technologies come along. And now you can measure it with a small little poo sample, send off the DNA, And these sort of tests are now just coming in, and we've got some companies doing this, both not-for-profit and also for practitioners. And I think this testing is going to be equivalent to like a blood pressure reading or a bone density scan when you see your doctor. You want to know what the normal contents of your gut are, so you know how your diet is responding and how to feed them properly. And once we change this mentality of just feeding because someone tells you this is right, to feeding your own microbes in a way that's going to keep you healthy and feel healthy. That's going to be a real step change in our country's nutrition. And turning to you, Shahrazad, what responsibility do you think the food industry bears for our unhealthy eating habits? Well, undoubtedly, it bears some responsibility. On the other hand, I would have thought that governments in their role as giving nutrition advice bear more responsibility. I mean, the packaged food industry, the way it works basically is that they so-called add value by processing food and being able to sell it at a higher price, even if it's taking an apple and chopping it up. But those kind of snacks are more recent. Packaged food made people's lives much easier in the 70s and 80s, shoving something in the microwave, that kind of thing. But of course, now with the growth in obesity, and I think for the first time, we've passed this milestone whereby more people are now obese than are actually dying of starvation. I mean, it's very good that there are fewer people dying of starvation, obviously. But obesity carries real problems. And what we're sort of talking about now is how to get to grips with this problem and who bears the ultimate responsibility for it. So are food manufacturers changing their ways? Well, they are because they have come under a lot of pressure from consumers, particularly in the internet era, where in a way trends or fads catch on and get circulated around the internet and through social media. And you'll find that by lambasting one company for not revealing all its ingredients or not doing it in a very transparent way, that that actually forces companies to change behaviour, as does the threat of more regulation. In the UK, we've seen the government say that they're going to tax sugary, fizzy drinks. And that is definitely causing companies to react and try and produce more low sugar drinks. And Tim, you were saying earlier, I mean, there is a great deal of evidence that some of the food manufacturers who are challenging the long held norms are in fact smaller independent retailers. Could you tell us a bit about that? Well, there just seems to be a general real food movement going on, which is sort of grassroots, small independent companies saying, you know, I'm not going to produce processed food packed with preservatives, emulsifiers and other cheap substitutes that we now know are actually 
those chemicals are probably bad for our gut microbes that we didn't know before. We just thought they were harmless ways of making money. But I think there's increasing evidence that fermented food manufacturers, independent cheese manufacturers, people producing unpasteurized yogurts, raw milk, are gaining increasing momentum in this space and setting up. And there's a huge demand of people who no longer want to go to their supermarkets. And there are trends in the millennials, if you like, are largely giving up what the previous generation took for granted as the way to do things. And I think big industry needs to step in. There are still people who don't care and will just carry on looking at those shelves. But the people I'm talking to get fed up of going to a dairy shelf in the supermarket and find it really hard to find actually a natural yogurt that isn't Greek style or hasn't been modified in some way. So they will just avoid that shop for the rest of their lives. It's one of those issues where perhaps consumer demand will change big company behaviour. And certainly, I mean, some of the evidence is that looking after your gut bacteria better can have extraordinary positive effects on health. Switching off type 2 diabetes, which has become endemic practically in this country. Yes, and the cure for diabetes now is bariatric surgery. And within 24 hours of having that surgery, your microbiome is completely transformed and 80% of people are cured of their diabetes from that point on. And these sort of examples are really showing how important it is if we can translate those sort of changes, those dramatic changes, into foods, then we could start to really reverse this epidemic of not only obesity but also food allergy. We forget the first food allergy case was in 1969. And a lot of this is due to the food we're eating. So it's moving away from calories and amount of energy consumed and this obsession with fat and sugar to quality of food, quality and diversity and fibre. Thank you very much, Tim, Scheherazade. Thank you both for your time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.